2: Hello and welcome to season four, I know, unbelievable, season four of The Shift, the podcast that aims to tell the no-holds-barred truth about being a woman post-40, created and hosted by me, journalist and author Sam Baker. I'm thrilled to kick off this season with today's guest, Mel Gedroich, and yeah, I did practice that 935 times. Mel is, she reckons, the more punctual half of beloved comedy duo Mel and Sue, an actress, writer and, drumroll, national treasure, thanks to the best part of seven years spent eating cake. Nice gig if you can get it, Mel. And now, the bloody overachiever has written her debut novel, The Best Things, which is as warm, hilarious and full of pin-sharp observation as you'd
3: expect. I'm doing what I'm doing. I am who I am what I am. And I, that's it. There's not really much I can change. No, of course I can change, but... You know, the intrinsics are kind of there and they're set in stone. So if you don't like it, babes, sorry. Mel talks ironing and asks the big question, who
2: actually irons? The terror of hitting the financial skids and walking away from the bake-off payday. Being a menopause dodger. And the importance of bringing more perimenopausal characters to our screens. And writing her first novel at 51. 51! There is hope for us all. Basically, you're annoyingly superhuman, I mean, like, oh, comedy it. duo, bit of Shakespeare, bit of Sondheim, bit of quilting,
3: two non-fiction books, two kids, now a novel. Listen, though, What's Sam, listen. On with you? No, listen, thanks for that list. What that list says to me, very automatically, is, um, I've forgotten the saying, Jack of all trades, Jill of all trades, mistress of none. Yeah? You know what I'm saying? Why not just do one thing and do it really well, apart from sort of hopping like some annoying frog between various lily pads. And, no, uh, here's anyway. my question. Would a bloke say that? <sighs> oh, you've got me. You've absolutely got me. Right, er- erase that and let's pretend I didn't say that. Yes, Sam. Yes. All of those things. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about the book a bit first because that's okay. what you're here for, let's
2: face it. So let's, let's do the bit that will get me into trouble with your publicist if we don't do it. <laughs> i finished the best things last night and i loved it
3: i loved it thank you very much indeed it was quite different from anything that i've ever done before in the sense that i was totally on my own i usually sort of work in a gang or of course with sue uh, which is our little gang of two so when you're out there doing something completely on your own it is a bit weird um i went to the local library every day i would get there in a slightly OCD way at 5.2 every morning, 5 to 9. And I'd be the first in the queue so I could make sure that I sat in the same chair every day. This was winter 2019. This was a whole life ago. And I found that really, really got me going. It spurred me on because I thought, I'm sitting in a chair in quite a quiet space. There's nothing else to do. I've just got to get down and do this. So that was good, actually. I enjoyed that. Did you have Um, to leave the house to do it? I think so. There's too many distractions, aren't there? It's just too... I don't know about you, but I would rather do anything, Mm
1: -hmm. literally
3: anything. I'd rather, you know, sort out my own ingrown toenails with a credit card and some boiling water than (laughs) actually have to sit down and write. Are you like that, Sam? Totally.
2: The minute you start working from home... You because like, I'm institutionalised because I worked in an office for like decades. Right. And so the minute you start working from home, you're like, oh, in emptiest laundry basket oh, in yes. the country. Yes,
3: I find doing laundry really, really satisfying, actually. That's one of the great pleasures of lockdown. I've really got into my laundry in a major way. I love it. I love the whole thing. Are you an ironer? No.
2: Oh, God, I know.
3: No. And I'm really happy to say that the last time I plugged the iron in, it fused the whole ground floor of the house. (laughs) And so it can never be used again. Thank God. Who irons? Who irons? I'm going to get
2: loads of comments now from people going, I iron and I think you'll find that your clothes last longer if you
3: iron. Just then buy clothes that need it. That's what I say. Well, I think wouldn't clothes last less long if you iron them because you're applying extremely hot uh, steam to them. Isn't that gonna wear them down and bring the colour out? I don't that know.
2: I don't isn't know something I've ever thought about, to be honest. <laughs> Never given any
3: thought to that at all. <laughs> I like I like ironing the odd handkerchief. Something like that that's really easy, but it's when it when you bring in coughs and colours, uh, coughs and coll coughs and collars, coughs <laughs> and collars even. <laughs> when you bring all that to the table, I'm just thinking, oh no. This is, no, this is too much. Some people really like ironing in front of the telly, don't they? Yeah, I've heard that. I don't know. No. I'd rather pay Candy Crush in front of a telly, frankly. But
2: (laughs) that might be me.
3: Tell uh, me about Sally Parker. Oh, Sally Parker. So she is the centrifugal force of the book. She's, I hope, a heroine that you, you may not start to like her particularly, but I hope that by the end of the book, you do like her and feel for kind of what she's going through. I think probably you might have had or have met a Sally Parker in your life. I think most people have. She's the sort of woman that seems to have the perfect life. I've met people like that. They seem to just, they iron or they, they have stuff ironed for them. They're groomed. Everything's clean. Everything's pressed. They don't seem to have a care in the world. They have somebody providing for them. Okay, they're a bit of a trophy wife. But you sort of think, well, okay, you've made that choice. That's fine. You're living a lovely, lovely, lovely life. Of course, you don't know kind of what's going on behind the scenes or underneath the surface. And that's kind of what I was really interested in was the idea of this kind of perfect seeming life. But there are cracks. There are holes in the tights. You know, there's stuff underneath I wanted to explore. What do you want people to take away from it? I think I want people to take away the idea that you don't need much in life to make you happy i think what i'm saying is there are more important things in life than the material things and again i'm speaking from a position of being in a comfortable situation at the moment i mean that could all change uh very, very yeah, exactly. quickly but anyway yeah are you in the Jay? bedroom now is that I'm what I the can bedroom. see behind you in the bedroom I'm in the bedroom I'm in the bedroom oh it's a weird time isn't it it's a weird time and actually it's quite a strange time for this particular book to come out in a funny way because I wrote it before the pandemic had hit there wasn't a whiff of any of that in the news or, or anything like that and it's a story which is kind of saying look look around you at what you've got you know enjoy your family you might not know them very well try to get to know them you don't need material goods to have happiness and then here we are cut to a year later and suddenly we're in circumstances which we are surrounded by our family potentially or those close to us a lot like a real lot and a lot of us are in a position where we're going okay when's the next paycheck coming Mm, totally It's weird. I've written a story which kind of preempts that, but I had no idea I was going to preempt that, if you know what I mean. How are you getting on with your teenage daughters in lockdown? So I've got one who should be at art school. She's doing a foundation, but she's taken the art foundation very much home. So we've got the garden shed as her studio, and I can't really see into it because there's such a massive fug of smoke. And the noise of Jimi Hendrix and Talk Talk and Joni Mitchell and Suede is so intense you can't even get through. But when you do actually open the door, there's a sort of billow of smoke and noise and you can just about make her little figure out. She's permanently wearing a beret, which I'm very, very glad to see. <laughs> um she seems to be quite happy I'm a bit worried about the smoking but you know what can you do she's 18 I was a very heavy smoker by the time I was 14 so I can't really uh say to her look you shouldn't be smoking but hopefully she'll realize pretty soon that it's not very good for you um and the other one is in lower six so she's on her a-level courses and I passed her room just before I Uh, started talking to you, Sam, and she's doing drama A-level and all I could hear was a sort of... (laughs) <laughs> coming from the outside of the bedroom wall so I assume everything's okay I was gonna say what the hell is she doing I'm imagining some sort of physical warm-up or getting into some sort of character I don't know all I know is the broadband width in this house is stretched to the absolute ruddy limit I mean we're all all four of us are here trying to sort of do our thing <laughs> yeah mad. I don't want to
2: tempt fate because we haven't had any of those problems yet but that the number of times you just watch it fall over because it's not, you know, there are four people or six people in the house all trying to use broadband at the same time. <laughs> oh, God, Sam. I know. How oh. desperate you leave the house? I am desperate, honestly. I just really,
3: sorry, that's the hoover going. You might hear a slight whining in the background. It's not the dog or the children, it's the hoover. Know, but if somebody um, else hoovering, that's good. Yes. My husband's got quite into the hoovering, actually. That's very, it's a good sign, isn't it? It's a good sign. do yeah, idea. Don't, don't rock uh, that boat. I know. I just, the idea of sitting in a cinema with lots of people, watching something like Rocky Horror, just some big kind of event like that, I just, oh, I yearn for something like that. It'd be great, wouldn't it? I just haven't been to the cinema since I went to see,
2: don't judge me, Paddington 2 at the oh, cinema.
3: Listen one of the finest films made. Have you got it on DVD? Great
2: film, yeah. Oh, yeah, I've watched it about 45
3: times. It's brilliant, Sam. Isn't Hugh Grant just a revelation in it?
2: Yeah, it's absolutely brilliant. He's so up.
3: good. It's the best thing he's ever done, I think. He's so yeah. good at comedy, Hugh Grant. And I prefer him now he's older. I don't know, there's just something more real about him now. When he was doing all that kind of frippy, floppy, floppy fringe Being stuff. a floppy-haired love interest. Yeah, I just think now it's, he's got the grit, man. He's hilarious. I love him.
2: Now, I'm obviously going to say, do you think the same thing applies to women? What do you
3: mean? The older we get, the better we are.
2: That actresses are allowed to kind of get better and stop being the floppy head love interest. And
3: hell yeah. Hell yeah. I think people in general just get more interesting the older they get. I say that frankly, because I'm getting older. I'm just clinging on to anything. <laughs> <laughs> any straws that I can. But no, I think experience is everything, actually. Wrinkles are everything. Experience, life experience, being around the blockedness, worn in, women, men, bring it all on. Also, I'm sorry, but it's such a kind of lovely breath of fresh air when you see a woman, particularly on screen, that hasn't had all the tightening and and all the whatever they do to their faces. It really is an actual relief to see that. I love Emma Thompson for that reason. She says in public often that you know she hasn't had anything done and she wouldn't have anything done I kind of think oh man that is good I think she even said one of her posters for a film that she did a couple of years ago she was in her contract that she did not want it airbrushed I just think come on my friend that's a relief isn't it it really is do you feel like your
2: opportunities have got more less not changed as you've got older
3: I would say different and more interesting actually. I don't know if you find this, but I think you care less, don't you, about certain things the older you get. I think when you're in your 20s, it's very much sort of what's everyone else doing? There's that sort of awful competitive thing. What's everyone else doing? Oh, am I doing? What am I doing? You know, that, that thing. And then in your 30s, you start to sort of go, okay, I think I vaguely know what's going on here. Not really. Then in your 40s, it kind of starts settling in. And then in your 50s, you're settled in a bit Mm. and also just thinking I don't really care what other people think about me anymore and that's a big relief it's a revelation yeah I'm doing what I'm doing I am who I am what I am and I that's it there's not really much I can change no of course I can change but you know the intrinsics are kind of there and they're set in stone so if you don't like it babes sorry I don't care do you feel a lot more confident in yourself now? I wouldn't say confident. I'd say just I've got less of a grip on things. And that gives you a sort of slightly devil may care fearlessness. Probably. <laughs> I wouldn't put it down to confidence. I, would, I just think it's, oh, just let it all go now. Let it all go. The year we've all had, let it all go. What will be will be, let's just make the best of what we can <laughs> in
2: that's a way true. that is true it's
3: like there's no way yeah. you could have predicted all this so. no absolutely not absolutely not and also i do and i don't want to sound like some kind of awful preachy person but i just feel so thankful for what i've got i think the small things really really just mean a hell of a lot more now than they did a year ago and that's that's good it's good it's good to have a sort of a reset on the default button maybe do you yeah. know what i mean?
2: yeah. Totally. Um, Back in, where was it? Were you in your 40s when you had your kind of house moment?
3: Oh, yes. Now, hang on. That must have inspired
2: Sally, did it?
3: Yeah. Approaching 40. Yes. And at the time, I'd been working a bit, sort of uh, making ends meet. Wasn't doing tons of telly. Was doing a lot of childcare with my husband, doing half and half as much as we could. Doing theatre jobs, bits and bobs. And then, yeah, we hit the sort of financial skids. We pushed the boat out too much. Buying a house, borrowing too much money, couldn't really afford it. And then, yeah, it all sort of, it all came to a bit of a crunch moment and um, we had to sell the house, couldn't sell it, couldn't sell it, had a year of sleepless nights, just thinking we're getting more and more into the financial doo-doo. Look, I know a lot of people go through this. I know a lot of people go through this for a lot of many different reasons, but it's not the best. It's not the best. Thankfully, we managed to sell the house. That was the key thing. And we rented a very tiny place, and we did it through a friend of a friend of a friend sort of thing. So we did it for cash I know I know but we had to we had to that was just the way we had to go and it was good actually it was really good not good all of the time but it was good to have to cut our cloth as my mum called it not to borrow these ridiculous sums of money that don't really exist and that you can't pay back that's right I had an ad campaign that's what it was I was doing an ad campaign for King's Mill Sue and I were doing it and stupidly I just thought well that keeps us going We'll do a couple of ads a year and we don't have to do much else. Um, (laughs) Nice work if you can get it. Nice work if you can get it. And it's a kind of work that doesn't really stick around for long Mm. because the letter came through the door saying, we don't want you anymore, bye-bye. And then you're left with nothing. So note to self, just make sure you've got some good solid work underneath you rather than ephemeral, ludicrous adverts. That was a big lesson. Yeah, God. And do you think that changed your... Change kind everything. of thing everything yeah. yeah absolutely it made me more robust it made me think why do i need a huge House, You know, what does this mean? It made me think we can live on a lot less. We were quite happy, actually. We were quite carefree in a way because we didn't have a mortgage. We were renting. And that was, you know, again, I know lots of people listening are out there and they're renting and they're thinking, oh, my God, I'd love to own a place. I think everything is a double edged sword, isn't it? Mm. For us, renting was the best thing because we didn't have that saddling mortgage around the necks that we couldn't pay. So everything in context, I suppose. Yeah, it it was interesting times. And definitely this idea of a story like this was sown because I was going through it myself, although not in any way remotely like Sally Parker. I mean, they're living life on a big, super scale. You know, she's got a husband who's a hedge fund manager. My husband, I can tell you, is not a hedge fund manager, <laughs> which I'm quite pleased about. Um, they are living this opulent, affluent, kind of crazy life with this wheeler-dealer, alpha male husband who's burning the cash. And she, Sally Parker, my heroine, is also burning the cash, although she doesn't really quite know where the cash comes from. But as long as it keeps coming in, she's sort of fine. Uh, loads of kids, nanny, basement gym, cinema, blah, 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 you know, living the life. And then suddenly, boom, it all gets stripped away. You're the youngest, aren't you, of four? A four, yeah. Yes. Yes, I am. Yeah, it's it's a busy old thing being in a family of, of four kids. You never quite know who's doing what when you've got more than two kids, I think. You can't quite keep a track on everyone. And uh, mum and dad, particularly the older I got, they got so tired, you know, they had done it three times already. They couldn't really quite be bothered with number four. Yeah. But it gives you an amazing freedom, actually, um, because you don't have these helicoptering parents kind of analyzing your every move all the time. And I think that's very freeing. I felt totally free, actually. It's an amazing thing they gave me, really. Benign neglect. <laughs>
2: And you're really close, aren't you, to the sister above you, Koki?
3: Yeah, yeah. We're very good pals. I mean, I'm very good pals with all my sibs. I love them all dearly. But I think because we're the closest to each other in age and we've had children around the same kind of time, we've always lived very near each other. So we've always helped out with each other's childcare, which I couldn't have survived. Oh, I couldn't have done it otherwise. Oh, it makes me feel... Yeah. yeah. The idea of doing it, yeah. yeah. No, because the four four of us, um, so me, my husband, my sister and her husband are all freelance. So odds on at least one is unemployed at any given time. It's just, Mm. that's just... You know statistics, so that person would scoop up all the children, and that it was really lucky. Really That's lucky. brilliant, isn't it? Yeah, Just that, it that constant the cousins. Yeah, it's good. It's good actually. I'm I'm glad we did it that way. I mean, it wasn't without its roller coaster, bum clenching moments, but um, you <laughs> no. know, we got through.
2: I, I hate to bring Sue in because I've had, bring I've her been been in to loads of podcasts, and you go, "Oh, bloody hell, not her again." <laughs> But obviously, you've got your thirty-year friendship with her, and you're close with Cokie. Is that, that a female friendship's important to you?
3: Yeah, they are everything. They're absolutely everything to me. And I really enjoyed writing the scenes in the novel. Um, with the female friends because sally parker has this circle of female friends mainly that she's met through her children the the school gate thing the school gate thing i mean it is classic and i'm not dissing mum groups at all because i've got a couple of really really good pals that i've met that way but It is quite a weird thing that you're thrown together with lots of women that you don't really know from Adam or Eve. And um, you just know each other because you've got this link through your children and, and you spend a lot of time with them. You spend a lot of chat. And I found that really good, rich territory. Sally feels like a sort of square peg. She doesn't know what she is in this group and they all... They're quite toxic, actually. I've written them. They're a bit gruesome, I must say. They are pretty. Yeah, one of them in particular. But, you know. You know, I sort of, I suppose, did that for comic effect rather than uh, (laughs) for for the reality. (laughs) Or the reality. Although you do meet occasionally people like that. You do meet people like that who, oh, I don't know what it is. It's jealousy, isn't it? It's sort of whatever it is that makes people rather nasty.
2: Well, we all had, well, I'm assuming, I don't know whether you had that thing at school where, you know, there was that girl and she had all her hangers on. You know, yeah, and you know yeah. she'd say something bitchy and they'd all titter and you just say yeah 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 and this like forever you think you leave yeah. school and you get away from it but no
3: it follows you as you
2: go through yeah. life stages
3: Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? I think Sally, who's my heroine, she was not that popular at school because she's so seemingly perfect. She's so pretty and that sort of girl that boys love, the one they want to look after, you know, the trophy wife. And she has to just bust through that and come through Thelma and Louise style you know. She has to get rid of the hairdo and the makeup and the clothes and all that and just show her true colours, actually. I'm a big fan of that sort of heroine that has to go through the mill a bit. I love how she
2: reverts. It's not too spoilery, is it? She basically starts wearing those clothes that you wore when you were 18 or 20. Did you wear those clothes, that kind of
3: military outlet? (laughs) Solidly, Sam. Solidly. (laughs) Let's go through from top to bottom. We're talking beret. Obvs. Drama student, weren't you? Yeah. I wasn't a drama student, actually. I failed to get into three drama schools. I would have donned the beret in the name of Thespos if I'd had the chance, (laughs) Sam. Sadly, that was never given to me. Um, Military beret. Then we all had those gas mask uh, bags in the 80s. Did you you ever have one of those? Gas mask bag, uh, some kind of boiler suit, uh, dungarees, of course, donkey jacket, and then down to the monkey boat at the bottom with a sort of scout sock, some kind of thick worsted scout sock in. In the boot um, I hate to say that. I'm actually wearing some of those now worsted socks oh look <laughs> Oh, they're lovely. I love a cosy sock. I'm sorry. Hey. Maybe
2: I've never grown out of it.
3: I know. I, I think cosy socks rule. In fact, anything cosy, particularly at the moment, is just an absolute boon, isn't it? Have you got a slanket?
2: No, I haven't got
3: a slanket. I haven't got uh, one either. Is that the beginning of the end, if you get a slanket? That's what I want to know. I think know. so. There are some things you can go, like, oh,
2: it's great being 50 because... And I think you can like, get away with tea and knitting, quilting, whatever. But I think a slanket might be... <laughs> might be a touch too for. It, it reminds me of those you know those big slippers you get both your feet in that your granny used to have
3: like a huff a big furry huff yeah, that's it, a furry huff Sam I'm not yes I, <laughs> I, I, I know I know all about a big furry huff that's what lockdown does for you Let's not even go there um, well now we have sorry I wasn't that wasn't my like really
2: appalling link into <laughs> into menopause chat but since we've gone there that would possibly be the worst link in the history of anything, wouldn't it? I love
3: it. I love it. How are your hormones? Do you know what? I, I need to read up about what's going on. I'm a real head in the sand merchant. I know that something's changing, but I need to read up about it. Honestly, Sam, I'm awful like that. I'm awful. In my head, I'm still 14 and I'm out there on my bike just kind of going, Way! and I need, I need to face up to the fact that things are changing. So I don't. if you feel all right i'm awful i'm really bad at talking i'm like my mum i've become my mum i can't talk about all that sort of stuff without euphemisms it's just really embarrassing but um everything is as it should be but it's not if you know what i mean i'm on the turn. Yeah. i'm perry i must be perry am i perry how long is perry well that's like one of life's big questions
0: is it's, perry
2: like it can years? Be really long yeah yeah is it perry is, is
3: the menopause thing really is it yeah. so the brain is fudgy yeah very very fudgy so yesterday for example i love there's this brilliant book called iron actor which is the funniest book, basically taking the piss out of the whole thespian world you will ever find. And it's written by Nicholas Craig, who is the pseudonym of, and I couldn't remember his name. And I was just saying to Ben, he was in The Young Ones. He played Neil the Hippie. Didn't oh, Nigel me. Planer. Nigel Planer, thank you. It took me six hours to bring <laughs> yeah. Nigel Planer's name And I mean, I love Nigel Planer. It's really weird. Is that Perry? Is that Perry? I think so.
2: Yeah. That brain fog thing. The
3: brain fog.
2: Yeah. I mean, I've never left my phone in the fridge, but I hear people have.
3: Yeah. I left mine in the recycling bin the other day. Oh yeah. That's not good. Oh God. And it was like, it was three days and it was lovely not having the phone. It was lovely not having the phone, but, but knowing that it was somewhere, but that I just couldn't access it. And Ben had said, go and look in the recycling." And I was like, don't be, ridic- don't be ridiculous. Who leaves their phone outside in a big recycling?" Of course, there it was. And I had yeah. to go through all the crap. Anyway, anyway, first world ruddy problems. Yeah, totally. I mean, it is a bit, isn't it? Because a lot of the women I
2: spoke to said, oh, well, I just feels like you're the butt of the joke. Once you're perimenopausal, you're just, you're a bit hot, a bit brain foggy or brain foggy or angry. And then you yeah. get a bit like, Puffy round the middle. And so yes. you're like the joke character in the sitcom. So what yeah. we need is to embrace it and give us characters that we'll all oh. identify with. So that's that's your project. Your next project.
3: <sighs> yeah, no. Okay. I'll I'll take that. I'll give Sue a call and I'll say, Right, I've got a mission. We're on a mission. We're not gonna stop until Susan and I am lung and I'm sort of <laughs> in some, you know, care home. So we'll keep going on that. Good. There's no point trying to pretend to be something that you're not, is there? No, exactly. There really isn't. There's no point. You will be found out and you will look silly.
2: Do you and Sue ever get sick of each other?
3: I'd say in all honesty, no, actually. I mean, we've been pals since 1988. So that's 32 years, isn't it? That's a long time. time. And And we've worked together a lot. I mean, I think it's healthy to do stuff individually and, and we both enjoy doing that. I think we'd be completely lying if we didn't say, oh, it's great to do stuff um, individually and then it's an extra treat to come together and do something together, I suppose. She continually makes me laugh. That is the thing. And I hope vice versa. Um, and that does keep you just, it keeps you invested, doesn't it? If you can laugh, if you like to laugh, then the person that provides that is just always going to be somebody that you love To spend time with, and she makes me howl with laughter. I mean, really properly. And we egg each other on. You know, there's that. We just egg each other on. We laugh ridiculously. Nobody else does for a minute, but uh, at least we do, Sam. That's all that matters. That's all that matters. No, she's a very, very good egg. We're too old now to, you know, sort of say, oh, I'm not going to see you again. You know, it's just there's too much history. I've known her over half my life. That's bizarre, isn't it? Is it longer than your husband? Yeah. Yes, it is. It is longer than my husband. It's weird, isn't it? That's
2: your formative relationship It probably is.
3: Yeah, it probably is, actually. I think a double act is more intense than a marriage, definitely. I guess there's the pressure of just performing, isn't it? It's the pressure of being out there and you've got to keep it all together for the audience. I suppose a marriage is just within itself in a way, isn't it? Funny. Weird. Amazing. Very
2: weird. And now your national treasures.
3: Oh, don't say that. That it does make you sound old, doesn't it? Old. <laughs> old and past it, literally. Yes, all right, dear, we've had enough of you now. We're just... Yes, we're going to just wheel you through over here. That's right. All right, dear. It's that, isn't it? That's yeah, a National that's Treasure. A yeah.
2: <laughs> I, haven't, I didn't watch it because I haven't got Sky, so I couldn't have watched it. But Hitmen, um, you described it as a, a perimenopausal killing Eve. Which I absolutely loved. would there, will there be more of that kind of thing, do you think?
3: Yeah. do you know what? We were supposed to film in the autumn and then it got put back, and we were supposed to be filming in two weeks' time, and that's been put back. So where are we at the moment? Hopefully we'll film it in the spring. That's the plan anyway. The lads, the men, the guys who've written it are extremely good they're uns, they're sort of 30 31 just very very good eggs and they've written a second series which i'm just so excited about i think it's taken the first series and just i don't know taken it somewhere somewhere else it's really it's so fun to do and a joy to work with um with sue which i won't have done for blooming months and months so that'll be really fun just fingers crossed that we get to do it you know I don't think you can rely on anything anymore. No.
2: Is this the longest
3: amount of time between
2: you working together? It probably is actually.
3: Yeah it probably is. There were patches when my kids were really young that it just wasn't really workable and Sue was out doing stand-up and doing stuff on her own which is completely great and I was at home a lot and then trying to just fit in other little bits and bobs so it all went a bit shambolic and it was really Bake Off that sort of brought us back together I suppose after a bit of time of not doing stuff together so extra joy to the Bake Off for that. Very very grateful to Bake Off in very many ways. Bake Off is probably responsible for the National Treasure thing isn't it? Oh I don't know. No, I don't think we all national treasures I, think <sighs> to, I don't really don't think so I mean I'll take it if someone says that I'll go oh don't be ridiculous but thank you um no no I I, I think you have to do a lot more stuff in your life to garner that mm. I don't know was it hard to walk away it was very hard um because it was a lovely gig and and all that food. cake All the cake, we really enjoyed it. It was very regular. We knew in our diaries that's the bake-off filming time. You know, it's the first regular job I think either of us had ever really had, to be honest, age 40. (laughs) So we did it for seven years, and it was very hard to walk away. Yeah, it was, but it felt like the right thing to do, and it still feels like the right thing to do. And I sort of think, you know, I talk about this with Sue occasionally. It's like, it's good to leave the party before the sandwiches have curled up at the edges. Do you know what I mean? It's good to leave something when it feels fresh and it doesn't feel like, oh God, we've got to do Bake Off again. Do you know what I mean? Mm. We loved, genuinely, we loved every year of the seven that we had the fortune to be doing that job. And that's pretty blooming good, isn't it? To say that of work that you've done that you enjoyed seven years. Yeah, pretty unusual. Was it hard to
2: walk away from the,
3: the money given you know, yes. the problems that you'd had. Yeah. Yes, yes, it was. It was terrifying. Actually, it was terrifying because for that reason, I'd, I'd had a very big financial bump those years before. So to be in a situation where it was like jumping off into the void was terrifying. But I think you need a bit of fear in your life just to keep you keep you going and remind you that you're alive, actually. I've always told myself that. You've got to have a little bit of, of fear in there to keep things gingered up. <laughs> There's a little bit of fear and there's a lot of fear. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I suppose on a practical level, I thought, well, the kids are older now, so it's not like they're toddlers at home and I need to be at home in the same way that I definitely did before. So I kind of thought, this is going to be all right. There'll be interesting things that open up. I've got to keep positive. And yeah, it felt like the right thing to do. And I wouldn't have written a book. I would not have written the book. Or maybe I would have written the book. I don't think I would have done because I'd have felt too, everything's fine, you know, everything's yeah. comfortable. You know, you need you need some spice, don't you? You need some grit and some spice. Are it sounds you a like bit a terrible of... curry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. moving on to the savouries.
2: Um <laughs> Are you a bit of a risk
3: taker? Yeah, I think so. I think I am. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of scary when you think, right, I'm now taking a risk for four people as opposed Mm -hmm. to taking a risk just for myself. That's a bit, that is a bit, uh, but yeah, I say risk taker, come on. I mean, I've got a very lovely life doing a job that I love. Okay. There are ups and downs, but everyone has ups and downs. I just feel very blessed that I'm doing a job that I love. It's an amazing thing actually that, but I think you need, you need a bit of fear and scariness and risk just to keep your edges sharp. Do you know what I mean? Mm, Totally. Yeah. It is a bit like if you're not, if you're not a bit
2: scared occasionally, I think that's not a good thing.
3: I mean, I wouldn't want to be scared all the time, but a little bit of fear in the workplace. Yeah. (laughs) Are you going to write another novel? Yes, I am. I am, Sam. I've got the bug now. I really, really enjoyed it. Do you know what I loved about it? I loved the fact that, because I've written scripts before that have never made it anywhere because they've been overcomplicated or they haven't been good enough or people have said, oh yeah, but how are you going to find the budget for that? With a novel, you can take your characters anywhere, any time, any place. It's so liberating. I loved that. And I loved the fact, okay, I had this amazing editor, Sharice Hobbs at Headline, who I just adore. She's fantastic. And she was there, you know, a good sort of guide hand and she came up with some really good suggestions and she reined me in when I needed to be reined in and she encouraged me at other times and you know a, a great editor you know what a great editor's like but you don't have that person kind of saying oh no you can't do that no sorry you can't do that or oh, well who are you going to cast oh you can't cast that person no you can't it's it's so freeing when you're reading a book you can imagine everyone has a different idea of who that character is don't they you're not casting someone you're not saying oh that person's going to play that person it's just I found it tremendously liberating, the whole thing. I loved it. I love the idea of people reading it and reading it in their own heads and in their own space. I love the idea of people reading it on public transport. I do a lot of reading on the tube when allowed. It's very special reading on public transport. I love it. It's just you're, you're with other people, which I love. You're in a gang, but then you're just totally on your own. great isn't it do you read on public transport well I
2: used to a lot when when we used to go in the day well I I had years of commuting the amount of time I've spent on trains I just now I look back and think that's insane it was like three hours a day or something but but you can read a lot of books
3: It's that real guilty pleasure, isn't it, of just being on your own in this crowd. And you can't do anything else in the time. That's what's lovely about it. Mm. So you don't feel, oh, I should be doing something else. You can't do anything else. You're on a train or you're on a tube or a bus. It's just a really nice feeling, that. Do you like an audio book? Do you know, I'm very, very, very late to the table when it comes to technology. So I will (laughs) get round to them. No, honestly, I can just about work the VCR now. Do you know what I'm saying? (laughs) So it, I will get there, but it'll take me. I'm all, I've always got a 10-year lag with these things. I know I'm going to love audiobooks more than life itself. I think you will, I, yeah. But I also really love the feel of pages. My mum yeah. keeps saying, oh, I'll get you a Kindle. I'll get you a Kindle. I'll, I'll, I'd love to buy you a Kindle for Christmas, but... I don't really want a Kindle. I'd like pages. I like that feel of turning the page. Mm, yeah. I like the smell of them. Do you know what I mean? Even if it's a big old book and you're carrying it around with you on public transport and people sort of look at you weirdly, I, 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 I read as I got the escalators as well. If I'm really into something, I'll take it out of the tube, da-da-da, like that, yes, follow through yeah. and up the escalator and you get some strange looks if you're reading a kind of 900 page 19th century barnstormer of an epic and you're going up an escalator, but I just like, I just like it makes me feel I'm in it somehow.
2: What's the book that you,
3: you know, you most often push on people. Uh, I would say I, an actor written by Nigel Planer under the guise of Nicholas Craig for the comedy. It's brilliant. And okay, it might be a bit of an in-joke. I probably would give that to all like people uh, wanting to act or or actors or whatever, friends in that kind of world. I an actor, so, so funny. The other book that I adored, I love Thomas Mann. I think he's just a sensational writer. My mum got me into Thomas Mann actually. She's a big Thomas Mann fan. And he wrote a book called The Magic Mountain, which I'm sure, I don't know if you've read. No, I haven't read any Thomas Mann, actually. Oh, get involved, Sam. Get involved. I first read Buddenbrooks, um, which is one of his, um, and mum just banged on about this Buddenbrooks for years. And I just thought, God, that sounds really dull. (laughs) That sounds really dull. And when I was writing uh, The Best Things, I read Buddenbrooks. It's not too similar, but it, it involves a rich family that come up against problems and it is brilliant and then that got me onto the magic mountain when i was reading the best things i was
2: thinking about the structure of it and thinking it felt too like long a- <laughs> It's a big fat doorstep, but no, in a good way. I was thinking, was the inspiration Austin or Thackeray or... Mm -hmm. It felt like a bit of a 19th century
3: thing going on there. Definitely a lot of Trollope. Anthony, not Joanna, although Joanna is marvellous. Anthony, (laughs) Trollope, I'm obsessed with. Oh, you're brainy, aren't you? No, no, it's not. It's not brains. I don't know what it is. It's just, I don't know what it is. I love that whole world of the 19th century epic barnstormer. i tell you what it is. I like a long book. I think, because you feel cheated when your book finishes, don't you? I feel bereft when when I finish reading a book that I've been really into. Well, like you storm
2: through it, don't you? And then you're like, because you can't stop turning the pages and then you get to the end and you're like,
3: oh. It's It's the worst feeling, isn't it? So I think that's probably why I'm drawn to a really good, chunky Dickens or a Trollope or a George Eliot or, you know, one of those because, it oh, you know, you've got a good few weeks out of it. You really do, especially if you're just reading like an hour a day on the tube. I kind of think, brilliant, this is going to last me, um, you know, for a few weeks. I mean, Trollope was prolific. The guy wrote so many ruddy books and I'm only about halfway through. So I'm just thinking, yes, yes, I love that. Do you do that? Do you binge read like that? Get like, get hold of one and go, oh, great. He wrote 35. There I go. I'm a really, really fast reader, which has its pros and cons. I, I forget most of what I've read, which is which is bad, which is really really bad. I think if you're a slow reader and you get all the detail, you remember it. I'm just a f- 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 like that. Just I, re- I read really really quickly. So um, yeah, okay, good. I've got a couple more
2: questions that I always ask, and then I will release you. What advice would you give younger
3: women? To younger women, I would say don't worry. You don't have to. Do everything that you want to do in the next year. I think there's that thing. I think when you're older, you look at time very, very differently. It goes extremely quickly, but you also have that big span of it behind you to sort of ruminate over. And I think when you're younger, you think you've got to do everything now or it won't happen. And I sort of think I wrote my first novel when I was 51. So it's fine. There's loads and loads of time. Don't feel you have to ah do it all now. What's your Superpower sleep I'm a really good sleeper and I'm touchy I know I'm sorry I know I know this is awful it's awful well I say that actually now in the peri stage two weeks of the month really good sleeper two weeks mm, not so good but then I say mm, not so good and for anyone else that's a good sleep when I sleep I sleep the sleep of the dead. So you're not a big dreamer. Yeah, you are. But I'm into dream. them. Every dream is like a 19th century novel for me. <laughs> it's epic, it's big, I'm in it. I'm part of it. And when I leave it, I'm desolate. I often cry in the day because I've left a brilliant <laughs> dream I was in. I'm not saying I dream a brilliant dream every night. Some of them are horrible, but when you get that one epic one, <sighs> those are great you get a real Victor Hugo of a dream do you know what I'm saying you're right in there in 19th century France you are you know in the costume you're living the drama (laughs) so good and then you wake up and you've
2: just got to go and like (sighs) microwave some porridge
3: yes yes or take the skid marks out of the children's pants (laughs) sorry that's awful I'm sure your children will be delighted you just said that (laughs)
2: Your teenage daughter's like oh, that's mortified. I'm so... <laughs> <laughs> oh dear! Uh,
3: yeah, I, I didn't mean that. So, oh dear! <laughs> there's quite a proliferation of skid
2: marks in the book, actually.
3: I love the concept of the skid mark. It's so seventies, isn't it? <laughs> really it's is. Really seventies. Really it's a sort of it's 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 scouts or brownies isn't it, out on some awful, you know, three days camping in 70s Britain and coming back with skittles. Were you a brownie? No, I was never allowed to be one. Oh. My mum my was really dubious about brownies because I think she thought they were some kind of wing of a paramilitary <laughs> organisation. She really did. She was really anti the brownies. I don't think she's wrong. I know, well, I did a bit of digging, though, and then I found out that my mum was not allowed to be a brownie. So she passed oh. that down. She, she thought, well, they wouldn't have me for whatever reason, so I'm not going to let her. <laughs> I'd have loved the brownies. Oh, my God, I'd have loved the brownies. I'd have been a really fervent brownie. Would you Definitely. have been the bossy brownie? Would you have been like a sixer or a whatever mm. they call them? I think I'd have been the clown. I'd have been the clown <laughs> in the pack. I'd have been the annoying one, you know, trying to sort of ginger things up. I'd have been awful. I'd have been truly awful. So
1: would your sister well. have been the
3: sixer? She would have been the arty one because you got all the badges, didn't you? She'd have had all the. Oh, yeah. I, can I only guess, had I can one. Guess. Oh, you were a brownie, Sam. I was a rubbish
2: brownie, though. How was I was it? rubbish. Oh, really? I was rubbish. I went on camp, I only lasted one night because I was scared of the dark. Oh, no. <laughs> and I only had one badge, which was first aid, and that was because that entire squad got them. Did I didn't <laughs> last i didn't last i'm never i'm not very good with like doing what i'm told it's
3: really? the truth of it is that's it? the truth
2: yeah is it yeah you see
3: i like being in a gang because then i like to try and subvert i never do truly subvert but i like being in a gang just to be the wag who's going you know or whatever it's ridiculous it's sad <laughs> <laughs> who is your old bird role model Old bird role model would be Ms. Patty Lipone, the one, the only, yeah. the absolute living legend of Broadway, still going strong, still hilarious, still amazing. I mean, she's not really an old bird, she's only seventy or something. Um, I think she's phenomenal. And you worked there, with her, didn't you? I, I was very lucky. Um, to work with her god she's a good egg absolutely adore the woman she made me howl with laughter pretty much on a daily basis i mean she's an outrage she's a she's a diva in the proper old school sense of the word and long may she reign she's an outrage she's hilarious yeah i I need to channel her a a lot i think especially as, as life goes on yeah fancy a bit of divaness in your future yeah, but it's also just oh it's the comedy value. It's that thing of really not caring what people think about you. Not in a bad way. That doesn't mean that you don't care for other people. Quite the opposite. We're we're all so worried, aren't we, as we go through life. Or what 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 are they gonna say or what they're gonna and I've I've been like this completely, you know, oh dear, will that go down well? Or actually forget it. Waste of time. Go the lupone way. That's Juno. Uh, okay, I
2: was didn't know whether the barking was at your end or mine. He's like, Woo, wo, wo, "Where's my food? Where's my cookies?" Oh, Woo, wo, 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 wo. <laughs> so get, it's coming, Juno. It's coming. Last one. Which before Juno so rudely interrupted, but you you were doing a brilliant link to my last question, which yes. is how many fucks do you give?
3: None. <laughs> really, none. No, not a single. I mean, for the important things, i.e friends, family, everything, absolutely blumming everything. I'd lay down the life, you know, that kind of intensity. But for everything else in life, oh, no, I'm backtracking now, aren't I? Am I allowed (laughs) to backtrack on this question? Yeah, you are. People often do, actually. It's funny that, isn't it? Because you want to go, yeah, not at all. And then you start to, you know, start to think. I think you've got to keep things in perspective. That's what it is. Look at what's important around you and what really matters and who really matters so yeah I mean when it comes to things like you know me writing fledgling that it is and the double act with perks and all that kind of stuff I mean that's sacrosanct you know but everything else nah meaningless tosh (laughs) (laughs) I love the word tosh I'm glad I got that in (laughs) that's great thank you
2: very much
3: oh so so fun Sam
2: Thank you for listening. You can hear a new episode of The Shift each Tuesday on Acast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like what you hear, please do rate, review, and follow, because it really does help other people find us. And if you'd like to know more about my own experience of shifting, my book, The Shift, How I Lost and Found Myself After 40, and You Can Too, is out now in paperback. See you next time.
1: make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with stamps.com. Sign up with code program for a 4-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. code program. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales event. So give your friends something to look at, like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter.